I am so itching to preach this message, I can barely contain myself here. Whoo, Jesus. End times. The times, the times. This is, you need to understand something about prophecy. The prophecy is for today. Most people, a lot of people I'll say, don't understand the prophetic calendar of God. I can't even tell you the last time I preached a message on the end times, but how many of you believe we're living in the end of the age, what Jesus said? Look at all those hands. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The signs of the times are everywhere. And there's nothing, <coughs> excuse me, there's nothing that's withholding back the returning, the soon returning of our Lord. And He will be returning. Mark my words, and more importantly, mark the words of Jesus that I'm about to share with you today. And every prophetic word in the Scripture has been fulfilled. There's nothing withholding the second coming of Christ. Second coming of Christ is not just a doctrine. It's one of what in the assemblies of God they call the four. There's four cardinal doctrines. Salvation for the lost, healing for the sick. As my mom just mentioned, divine healing, we believe. If you're sick here today, you ought to get hands laid on you and you walk out of here freed up instead of having to keep paying the doctor to give you a prescription every month. I don't care if you have insurance. I'd rather get healed divinely than through medicine any day. Amen? And we're not anti-doctor here, but how many of you believe God heals your bodies? Amen. Yeah. And uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a cardinal doctrine. And then what's the fourth one? Now, I want to talk to you today is about the second coming of Christ. And so uh, <clears throat> before we get into all that, there's a little girl sitting on her. I'd start with something funny because some of you look like you haven't smiled in, in a while. I hope you had your coffee and everything today. And, Got your Cheerios and everything, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we have grandbabies and seven of them. And they just keep popping up like weeds, you know. <laughs> so Dylan and Mackenzie are in Austin, Texas at her family reunion on her side because it may be the last time she sees her grandparents again. They're way up in years. And so they haven't been away in over four years since our oldest granddaughter was born. So guess who gets to babysit? Two twins, two years old, and our oldest granddaughter, Grayson. That would be the first lady and I. And so we're having a time of our life. But, you know, I've set them on my, my lap. And uh, there was an old grandfather, unlike your pastor. And uh, he had a old wrinkled face, you know. And, and his skin was all wrinkly like an old prune, you know. And, and uh, he's reading a, a bedtime story to his granddaughter. And his granddaughter kept looking at the story. And she looked up at him. And she's touching his face, you know. And, and she says, Grandpa... She said, did God create you? And he says, oh, of course, honey. God created me a long time ago. And she smiled, you know, and then she thought about him. And she said, Grandpa, did God create me too? Did God make me? And she, he said, oh, of course, honey. He said, uh, he created you, made you, but not that long ago. And she thought about him. And she said, Grandpa, God's getting better, isn't he? Praise God. So time moves on. I want to ask you to do something uh, in honor of reading God's Word. Would you stand to your feet one more time and salute the Word of God on this Memorial Day weekend? By the way, we honor all of our veterans here today. I thank God for each and every one of you that served today. Can we give them a big hand, those of you that served here? Amen. We're very patriotic in this house, rightfully so. We have the American flag right here. And we also bless and love and pray for the, the peace of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Amen. 
unashamedly, unashamedly. And so the disciples came to Jesus and they were asking him, tell us, what will the, the markers be? What will the warning signs be? What will be the indicators, the essentials or the absolutes before the coming of the end of the age? Some people say the end of the world and that kind of thing. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 3. He said, now he sat down on the Mount of Olives. I've been there four times. It's a real place. We'll be back there next year. By the way, Israel just lifted their ban on uh, vaccinations. Aren't you thankful for that? Thank you, Jesus. We'll be taking an extra large group with us. Amen. Oh, I so want to go there, but I'm not going to right now. Uh, and they, he sat down and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise up against nation. Let me just stop there a minute. That word nation in the original I learned this week is ethos, uh, means ethnic. In other words, not only will nation rise up and fight against nation, but race is what that word actually means. Watch this now, how pinpoint accurate the word of God is. Before the coming of the Son of Man, race will fight against race. Sound familiar? And so they wanted to know, when is the end of the age? And he tells them this. He says, and kingdom will rise up against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. How many of you know the nations hate Israel? Except this nation. We bless Israel. Very important. Say, oh man, some kind of weird. It's not weird. You need to, what you need to understand is is your Bible. And when I find out people say things like that, they have like biblical illiteracy folks in this country is at an all-time high. With all the knowledge of the age, we have more biblically illiterate Christians today. Very important that you understand the word and where you're at. Listen, if I'm getting on a a plane, I want to know how long the flight's going to be. And so he said, you'll be hated uh, for my name's sake. And then many of you will be offended. <laughs> Do I need to say more about that? <laughs> can I, can we just, do you know how many know people are offended over everything today? Yeah. Gosh, if you part your hair on the right and you one day decide to get up and do it on the left, they're offended over that. <laughs> I, if I had a dime for every person that you know, left because they were offended because I didn't shake their hand, how ridiculous is that? Right. I want to say your commitment's right up there with the Apostle Paul. And they'll betray one another and will hate one another. And then many, listen to this, many false prophets, sound familiar? Will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound in the King James, it says iniquity will abound, which means an intentional sin. The love of many will grow or wax cold. But he who endures until the end shall be saved. And this gospel, which I'm preaching today of the kingdom, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we stand here this morning, we believe, God, that these are the days, Lord, 
that are nearing the coming of the age. I believe that the sands in the hourglass are spiraling now down to the final grains. I believe, Lord, with all my heart, according to your word, that the angel, the archangel Gabriel is about to blast the final trumpet and call us out of this, Lord God. So God, I pray that we would be students of your word, Lord. We would never reach a place where we stop learning and stop growing in our faith. May you open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. When we see all these things in our world, Lord, help us, God, now more than ever to live our lives in light of eternity. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. There's five absolutes, five absolutes that you need to know. I hope you're going to write these down because these will really, really help you folks in the coming days ahead. When you see the chaos in the world, when you see the tribulation on your television and all that stuff, there are five things that Jesus said very specifically about the coming of the end of the age. And notice this before I give you them. Disciples, they came to Jesus and they were like, tell us, Lord, what are the signs? Like everybody wants a sign. Everybody's like, where are we at? What sign do we look for? And yet Jesus, notice this, he doesn't really tell them what they want to hear. He tells them what they need to hear. It's exactly what he does. He doesn't tell them all the details. Now, he gives them a few signs. He he says a few things to them. He says there'll be wars. There'll be rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be floods. There'll be pestilence. There'll be famines. How many know there'll be plagues? Okay. Stuff is happening all the time. And so... But he tells them what they need to know. If you were going to go on a trip somewhere around the world... I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't tell you everything about the place, but I would tell you this is what you need. Like, in other words, if you're going to Israel with us in 2022, how many know you're going to need a passport? Or you'll never get on the airplane. Okay, that's an essential. What I'm about to share with you now is five essentials, not my opinion, God's word. The, right in, the words written in red, if you have a good Bible, the words of Christ now, what you should be looking for. And here's the first thing he says. Here's the first absolute. He says two words, take heed. In other words, prepare your heart. Are you prepared for the Lord's returning? In other words, take a, it's in verse 4. He says, take heed. So take a spiritual inventory of yourself. Jesus said, listen to this, take heed that no one, by the way, deceives you along the way. How many understand there's a lot of people that are trying to deceive? In fact, God's word says in the last days, even the very elect of God will be deceived. Think about that, friends. That means the elect of God, people who love God, people might even be gifted as a Bible teacher, could be deceived by someone. Let me tell you something. Every prophetic word that you hear, you ought to be able to back it up with God's word. If you can't back it up with this book, the Bible, throw it out the window, shake the dust off your feet, and stop listening to false prophets. So take heed, take a spiritual inventory. What does that mean? That means you need to look at yourself introspectly and say, God, am I really on fire for you? Do I love you like I once did? Do I have a prayer life? Am I in the word? Am I praying and fasting for people that don't know you? Do I sense an urgency when they, a person, when I see them and they come to my recollection like I once did? Or have I drifted to a place of complacency? He said, take heed. That is the very first absolute that any believer must do to prepare themselves for the returning of the Lord. 
Because I promise you, loved ones, he's coming, the Bible said, in an hour that you think not. Are you ready? And then secondly, out of five, he says, keep from trouble. Keep from trouble. What does that mean? Look at verse 12. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Or wax cold is the original word. So what does that mean? That means that if we're not careful, we could let the things of this world get in our heart. We could let the trials, the tribulations, the politics, the siding, the, the protest, and so many other things fill our heart up that our heart is so full that no longer do we have a spiritual appetite any longer. But we're driven by all of the things that we're feeding our minds on. We've spent four weeks, the last four weeks, if you haven't been with us, on winning the war in your mind. How many know your mind is the battlefield? Yeah, and the premise of it is this, that your life is always moving in the direction of your most dominant thought, whether it's good or whether it's bad. If you're focusing on things that aren't of God in this world, how many understand they can lead you into the word actually trouble there? In the original, it actually means to be agitated. How many understand we're living in a world now where people are just agitated all the time? Uh, can we just talk about, have you ever seen a time in human history when so many people are, are ready to snap at the smallest thing? Folks, we had 12 mass shootings in this, in this country last weekend alone. That's trouble with a capital T. When people pull out, a, pull out a firearm, and I believe in the Second Amendment, by the way. Okay, but if people pull out a firearm because somebody didn't give them the correct change, and all of a sudden they shoot up and kill 12 children in a school, I promise you it's a sign of the end of the age. And he said, God said, don't get involved in so many things that don't concern you. Watch this. He said, these things must come to pass before the coming of the Son of Man. They must come to pass. So if you know something has to happen, how many know sometimes like if you know something has to get worse before it gets better, you can deal with it better. Okay. So if you know like, you know, whatever, you got to go through, I'll just say a surgery or something like that you know, a tough situation, but you're going to get better, then how many know it's easier to grin and bear it? You grit your teeth and you get through it. And that's what he's saying here in essence. So keep away from trouble. Here's, and there's so many scriptures, folks, about the great, let me say this, falling away in the Bible. How many know there's a great falling away going, from the faith going on? Yeah, the media has got a major arsenal pointed right at the church. They, love, they try to make us a laughing stock. Why? So people won't take it serious what's being preached. So their ears are blocked. It's like they can't see. They can't hear. They can't receive the things of God. The Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of God. The Bible said the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that what? Them that perish. In other words, those that don't know Christ. And in the last days, there'll actually be a great falling away from the church. You won't actually see church attendance increase, but actually it will decrease. And you'll see people slipping and dipping in the world. And even good people who once loved God. Let me say this, folks. I've been in this my entire life. I can preach to this very easily. 
People that love God. I've known many people. They love God. They're on fire for God. They've gotten saved. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They may operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They might be serving in the local church. And along the way, if we're not careful, we get complacent, we get comfortable, and we start to pick things up along the way that God never intended for us to be involved in. And little by little, that word wax cold, it, it's, again, it's not automatic. It's something that fades. It's like a slow fade. We start to drift. And there's dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures that back this up. Let me just give you a few if you're taking notes. I hope you're still there. Are you still with me? First Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. 2 Timothy 3.1. This is Paul's last letter. This is Paul. This is the guy that was probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. He's about to be beheaded, so it's really important what he's writing under the full inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, this know also about the last days, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient of parents, unthankful, unholy, without having, listen, natural affection. I was in New York City last year at this time with Lyndall Cooley. He wanted to go there. I didn't want to go there. Two years ago, sorry. And it was Gay Pride Month out there. They're a rainbow flag. You couldn't buy a cup of Starbucks coffee without a rainbow flag on it. Rainbow every, everywhere, everywhere. And let me just go ahead and say this. If you're gay, if you're lesbian, if you're transvestite or whatever you call yourself, this church loves you. This church is for you. This pastor's for you. And we want you to be here, okay? So let it be known on record. We're not a bunch of haters. Actually, God is love. The very essence of God is love. He doesn't hate, He loves. But that doesn't mean that you accept everything. Jesus, in fact, if you think about the woman caught in the act of adultery, He said, go and sin no more. Okay, so if you're coming here and you're just checking out the claims of Christ and you're not a Christian and you're not a believer, guess what? We don't expect you to pretend you are. Okay? When I was in New York City and I saw that, all over the rainbow flag. And then that was one thing that was in, you know, Starbucks and every other place you go, the parading down the street and all this stuff. But when I saw the gay flag flying over the church, I was grieved in my spirit because it fulfills that prophecy that Paul just said in the last days, men will be without having natural affection. Can you say Amen. That's on dangerous territory. That's fine. I would rather tell you the truth and have the world mad at me and be pleasing God than anybody's opinion of me. There's so many scriptures here. I mean, it just goes on and on. Truth breakers. He says, they'll, this is what they'll look like. They'll be false accusers. They'll be incontinent, fierce, despisers. Those who are good. They'll be traitors, heady, high-minded. Listen to this. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. People that once loved God, I've seen it, folks. 30-some years, they're in love with God. Giving to the work of God. Serving. Next news, you know, something happens. Bam! They're out of the church. Now they're cynical. They get critical about preachers. They look at churches and they'll think, all churches are bad. I know people like this. 
I won't start naming names. Trust me. I, I sat across the table the other day having breakfast with, with a guy who has a, a earned doctorate in theology. He he's, has quite a ministry, and his own wife was heard in an Assembly of God church out in the West Coast many, many years ago and thinks all churches are completely terrible. Let me tell you something. That is deception from the enemy himself. Trying to keep her from the will of God. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, these are the absolutes. These are the essentials. Number one, take heed. Take heed. Do some spiritual inventory. Secondly, don't be troubled. The third one is, he says, endure. Everybody say endure. Yeah. In other words, look at the scripture. He says, but verse 13, but he who endures until the end shall be saved. Amen? Praise God. Today, there's so much preaching on enjoy, 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 enjoy everything, enjoy everything. But there's also a side of serving God that sometimes you have to endure a few things. Is this okay this morning? It's not all just joy, joy, joy all the time, okay? Let's be honest, folks. Biblical examples, there's many of them. I'll just give you one. Joshua was promised the promised land, but how many understand he had to contend for the blessing? He had to fight, like Paul said, the good fight of faith. There's times you'll have to fight for your faith. This church, we had to fight against some things when everybody else closed down their doors and this one decided to stay open. And I'll tell you why. Because I had a strong conviction and I still have a strong conviction. You don't lock the doors on God's house. Aren't you afraid of COVID? No, I'm afraid of God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning knowledge. The fear of him. If we get to a place where the opinion of a governor or even a president is more esteemed than this book and the author of this book, we've totally missed it. You know. And I, I'm amazed how many people just knuckled under when everything was going on. I mean, and I'm not, listen, we did everything we possibly could do here. We offered masks. We did seating and we said if you want to say we have people said i just want to come sit in the parking lot of my cars by all means we put an fm translator out there especially the first few weeks when there was so many uncertainties so we're not downplaying it i know people who have died okay not in this church thank god in other states like you we know people that lost their lives but when it came to actually having to take a stand for your faith jesus said in the last days he that endures until the end shall be saved. It's not always easy to serve God. It's not popular to serve God all the time. But it's what's right. Amen? Amen. And so it's an essential. That's an absolute that you must know, loved ones. Today, I'm just trying to help you here today. We're, we're growing together to say, listen, before the Lord comes, what will it look like? He says that you've got to search your heart. You've got to make sure that you're walking circumspectly before the Lord, as the Word says. You've got to stay away from trouble, and then you've got to endure, fight the good fight of faith. And then here's the, here's the fourth one out of five this morning. Look at verse 14. It says, and this gospel, say, how will we know the, the coming end of the age? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Amen. Think about that. Now, when Jesus said that, it was 2,000 years ago. 
2,000 years ago, it's going to be preached to all of the nations of the world. They were in this little 300-mile strip of land called Israel. And they didn't even have automobiles. They were on foot and chariot. Okay, think about this. And yet he said, when it's preached to all the nations of the world, the end will come. Guess what, folks? We've been live streaming and actually on television broadcast since 2004. And thank God during this whole thing, you know, with the pandemic or whatever, like everybody started live streaming. But, you know, we get responses from places like South America, Central America, India, Africa, people watching a message just like this. Watch this. Muslim countries that if I said the name of some of them, that it would, it, it would be a very dangerous situation. So I won't say the names of the nations. But you ought to see these people, how hungry they are for God. Do you realize I've never actually been, like we have a team, my wife, they're going to Kenya in a couple months, right? Coming up July. And yet I, I've preached in other countries, like I've preached in Pakistan. My boys have preached in Pakistan, not physically, but through the medium of the internet. And I'll tell you, I'll show you pictures. I have them on my phone. I won't say their names because very, very dangerous there. But you ought to see these beautiful people that they're so hungry for the gospel. They don't have all these, you know, fancy, you know, apps on their phone with like, you know, a hundred different translations. They'll have a page of the Bible. And they're so grateful to God that an American preacher will stand behind a pulpit. And you got to do it like you got to preach. Their time zone is, you know, way different. So it could be 6 a.m., but you'll preach a message like this. And literally you can watch them. They, they'll have a little television. They're sitting in Indian style. They have no roof. There's no building. There's not like blessed America here. We don't realize how blessed we are here, folks. And when I'll, when I'll, when I'll just say a sentence like, you know, Jesus Christ gave his life for you and for me, and they'll all just break out in, in applause and praising the Lord, you know. And so understand that when Jesus said this gospel, the kingdom will be preached all around, and then the end of the age. Folks, this has already happened. Amen. Can you say Amen. And so that's the fourth thing, the gospel we preach. And I'll go to Luke 21 before I close here. Luke 21 and verse 24. Everybody doing okay? It's all right this morning. I know it's a little different for some of you, but this is what God's put on my heart this week. And I'll tell you, I couldn't get away from this if I tried. I said to my wife, Friday night we were in our, our kids' house, and they're down in Texas. And, man, I just literally, she could tell you, I, didn't, I don't want to turn this stupid television on. I went to bed clutching my Bible. My, actually, my son has a fire Bible sitting on his end stand, my son Dylan. And I said, look at this. Do you see where we're at? We got to pray that the blinders will come off of people. And that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we can understand the severity of the hour and the, that we're living in now, folks. Listen, I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. I don't want to check out of here and stand before God. And why didn't, why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you preach the whole counsel of God? You know? okay. And a lot, of, a lot of preachers stay away from these texts. I'll, I'll just tell you straight up. Because they know that they're not always the most popular. Because the feel-good, social, watered-down gospel message of America, uh, let me tell you something, it, it, this doesn't fit into that box. But that's okay. We don't fit into that box either. So I want to preach this gospel, uh, Luke 21 and verse 20, uh, Luke 21. He says this, listen, 
Then those who are in Judea, this is Jesus talking about the end of the age, flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart and let those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land. Folks, did you notice that the amount of rockets that were fired between Israel and Hamas? Is anybody paying attention here? Or are we sleeping, you know? Did you see what was happening, these, these end-time events that are unfolding before our eyes? It's very, very important. I'm telling you, this is not a time to be like, you know, asleep, you know, away from God. You know, letting the, the devil just lull you to sleep so you miss this, you know. We're living in, in this, it was distress. And they will fall away, listen, by the edge of the sword. And they'll be led away captive into nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25, the coming of the Son of Man. How many know he's coming back? Oh, he's going to return here, friends. And then there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, distress of all nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, and men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming. Oh, praise God. Here's the last one right here. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. Then when these things begin to happen, everybody listen, look up. Everybody say, look up. And lift your heads for your redemption draw nigh. Can you put your hands together and give God some praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. Look up. We're to look up. We're not to be distressed. We're not to be depressed. We're not to be troubled. We're, we're the ones that are to be up. Our faith should be up. Our joy should be up. Our hope should we be up. Because why? Because it's just a matter of time before God calls us out of this mess. If you believe that, clap your hands and make God realize that you're serious today. Look up. Why? Your redemption draweth nigh. The redemption of not just you, but this promise, according to Acts, is for you and your household that all may be saved. The people that you're praying for, their redemption is nigh. We've got to look up. We're not doom and gloom. You know, we're not to be down and, oh my gosh, the world is so bad. Of course it's so bad. And Jesus said it. These things must happen. Don't be troubled about it. Don't spend all your time at CNN, you know, constant negative news, right? You know what those three digits stand for, those three letters? Why in the world would you ever watch that stuff? It's terrible. It never ends well. Why would you want to know all the bad news of the world? For what? So you can complain to your husband or your wife? They don't want to hear it. Amen? <laughs> Look up. Your redemption draweth not. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.